We are so happy you're joining us on our Brentwood Church podcast. To find out more about Brentwood, go to brentwoodchurch.org. During this episode, we hear a great message that we pray will lead you to a new and deeper level with Jesus Christ. So open up your Bible or Bible app and grab a notebook or simply listen along. Thank you. Good morning, Brentwood Church. Woo, Thanksgiving is coming up. How about that? Uh, Last week, just like Pastor John said, we began a series called Panic Attack, and Matt Weaver came and spoke on uh, fear. And this week, we're going to piggyback off of his message, and we're going to talk a little bit more about worry. Now, there is a distinction between fear and worry. Fear is a feeling. Worry is a choice. Fear is an emotional response to a circumstance, right? It's that wet heart racing, sweating, you know, that emotional response. Worry is something we can choose to do or not to do. So fear is a feeling, worry is a choice. And today we're going to delve into scripture and we're going to look at a guy who learned how to take his worry and turn it around and figure out how to work through and navigate that worry. But before we get into that, I want to ask you a question. What if the greatest thing that you worried about happened? what would you do? So I want you to hold on to that question for a little bit. And I want to tell you a story uh, about me. Years ago, um, when I was in my late teens, I went on a date. Yes, I dated. Um, I went on a date with a guy and the date was to go up and hike up Sharp Top Mountain. And we get there, it's this beautiful, beautiful spring day. It's clear, scattered clouds everywhere, but it's just blue skies. And we start hiking up Sharp Top Mountain. And we get close to the top and up, when you're close to the top, up on Sharp Top Mountain, there's this place called Buzzard's Roost. And it's a place where they have these boulders and you can climb up on the boulders and sit and kind of look out and there's a, it's a beautiful view. So we decided to, to climb up on there and we sat down and we're just looking out, enjoying the view. And way off in the distance, we could see this dark cloud and it was a storm and we could see the light and we couldn't hear the thunder because it was that far away. Um, but it was, it was moving and it was moving away from us. And as we're sitting there, the guy I'm with says, look at the hair on my arms. It's standing straight up. And I look at his arms, and his hair on his arms was standing up. And uh, so in my brain, I'm thinking, oh, there's just a lot of static electricity up here, you know. I'm trying to think scientifically because I'm scientific in no way. Um, so, uh, So I'm trying to think, what in the world? And then he says, you know that they say you're about to get struck by lightning if your hair stands up on end. I was like, (laughs) what did you just say? (laughs) And I look at him thinking he's joking, right? And I can see his hair, which is gelled down, right? Parts of it like sticking up, you know? 
And I'm like, oh my word. All of a sudden, my heart starts racing. I'm like, let's get out of here. I was so afraid. I had an emotional response, right? So I'm like, oh, let's get out of here. So um, I begin jumping from rock to rock and just bolting it down this mountain. And I may or may not have leapt over small children and threw their parents to the ground. I don't know, but that's a possibility. Now, as I'm running, because the fear has like gripped me, I'm like, I'm going to hide right here under this tree during a lightning storm up on top of a mountain, right? So I'm, I come up to this tree and I kind of curl up to it and my date, thank goodness, is thinking clearly and he grabs me to pull me away and then we start bolting it again. And I'm feeling like as I'm running, like I feel like I'm in a movie. You know how when they shoot at you, it, not you, but the character in the movie, <laughs> And, and the bullets barely miss them. I'm thinking as I'm running, lightning is barely missing me. And it's just trees are splitting and rocks are blowing up, you know. I mean, I'm outrunning this lightning, <laughs> right? Um, but anyway, we book it all the way down the mountain. Seriously, my face was red, heart racing. And we look back up to the top of the mountain and it was clear, there was nothing there. And that day put this mindset in me that what if I get struck by lightning? What if I'm walking to my car in a storm and I get struck by lightning? So during storms, then the fear comes, right? And I start worrying, oh gosh, what if lightning strikes a tree and it falls on my house? And I'm not lying, three weeks after this event happened, I'm driving down the road and I'm, there's a telephone pole in front of me and there's a, a little bit of a storm going on and lightning strikes the telephone pole. Y'all, if you know why lightning seemed to have followed me, please tell me at the end of service. <laughs> like, it, I didn't understand it. And so, yeah, so I had, I had this worry, what if, what if? that happen? What if I get struck by lightning? And I know in this room, there are many of us who worry. And we are worried about our finances. We're worried about a diagnosis we received or a family member we uh, received a diagnosis. We're worried that we can't protect our kids. We're worried how we're going to send our kids to college. So there are so many opportunities to worry. We may even turn on the TV and all of a sudden we're thinking it's inevitable the zombie apocalypse is going to happen. You know, we, <laughs> amen. <laughs> you get worked up. I consider worry like this parking lot. We just get parked there and, and, it, and it's stag- we get stagnant. So how do we gain victory over worry? Let's turn with, um, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. I know that in this room today that there may be some people who don't know Jesus. So this message, you're going to be like, ah, oh, I'm just not there. Stick with me. Stick with me to the end. And then I know that there are people in this room today that 
you are a believer, but you are tr- you just bound to worry. I believe this morning the Lord wants to set you free. And then I know there's probably some people in this room and you, have, you don't have a worry in the world. You're in a great spot. Well, let's go deeper today. Let's get equipped to handle when the opportunity comes to worry. That's what this is about today. So if we turn to Matthew 6, verses 25 through 26, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Are you valuable? Aren't you more valuable than the birds of the air? Last week, Matthew, brought up a scripture in Matthew 10, 31, and it says, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than the sparrows. You are more valuable than the sparrows. He knows the number of hairs on your head. I can count the number of hairs on my husband's head, but that doesn't matter really. (laughs) But you are so valuable to him that the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died in our mess, for our mess. He died, and not only did he die, but guess what? He conquered death. Because he so loves us. Because he so loves us. Are we not more valuable than the sparrows, than the birds of the air? Yes. It's a rhetorical question. The answer is a resounding yes. You are. You're so valuable that he died for you. When we understand where our value comes from, when we understand that when we look to God and we see his bigness and his goodness and his power and we know that he is for us and not against us, like it says in Romans 8, 31, God is for us and not against us, then what happens is we get our, our worries begin to minimize and we magnify God. We magnet. He becomes magnificent, awesome, bigger than our circumstance, bigger than our worry. Fear is a feeling. Worry is a choice. And we're going to see a guy in Exodus, Moses here. Exodus chapter 3. Here's Moses. And he is just like you and me feeling worried about next steps, feeling worried that he's not qualified. Here he is, and this bush is burning, and it's not being consumed by the fire. 
it's burning, and then it's talking. I don't know about you, but one of two things would happen, or one of two things I would think (laughs) was going on. One, either that Taco Bell that I ate the other day wasn't sitting right with me, right? (laughs) Or two, that God is really speaking to me. And Moses knew that God was speaking to him and calling him to something that was beyond his abilities, something that he could not control. But here's what Moses says in Exodus 3, verses, verse 11. He, he asked God, he says, God, who am I? Who am I that you are choosing me? Who am I? I, I can't do this. I can't do this. I know that I can relate to that. Who am I? Right? I'm just this girl from Lynchburg. Who am I? And God says to him, he's always waylaying the worries, right? He says, I'll be with you. That's his response. But then Moses says, well, well, wait, wait, God. But suppose, suppose, what if they ask me who sent me? What if they ask me who sent me, right? What if? It's that worry. And he says, you tell them I am sent you. I am the one who created all. I am the one who knows all. I am the one who's more powerful than any other God. I am the one who sent you. I am the one who sent you. And if you read the book of Exodus, and I'd encourage you to do that, you read the book of Exodus, and there were so many things that happened to Moses that he was worried about, right? He was completely rejected by Pharaoh. He was intem- he couldn't. He wasn't a great public speaker. So God sent Aaron. There were so many things, and we could go walk through all of those things, but here's the deal with Moses. Moses learned from the beginning to seek God. Moses learned to take his worry to God. Does it mean he didn't worry? No, it just meant, hey, I don't want to live there. I don't want to stay parked in this parking lot of worry. I want to move forward. And we see a difference in Moses when we get to Exodus chapter 33. And I love this verse in 15. It says, Then Moses said to God, to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Do you see a difference in Moses here than in chapter 3? What is Moses focused on? Is he focused on how he can't? Or he's focused, is he focused on what God can do? He knows, he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that if God doesn't go with him, man, it's not going to be good. He knows beyond a shadow of a doubt. Like, I don't want to go, God, unless your presence goes with me. What a cry. That would be amazing if we, when our worries come, God, I'm not moving. I'm not moving until I know your presence is with me. Yep, I'm with you. 
I will be with you always. Yep, I'm your shield. I'm with you. So Moses chose to seek God. He didn't do it perfectly, y'all. Again, reading that book of Exodus, it's not pretty the whole time. It's not pretty. But because God loved Moses and God loved the Israelites, he was faithful and faithful to his word. And faithful to his word. And Moses got to see God come through mightily. Y'all, the Red Sea parted. That's pretty big. That's pretty big. It's a big deal. The miraculous happened. And he saw it. See, life isn't easy. And we're not going to do this perfectly. But we have to make a choice. Are we going to choose to stay parked in our worries? Or are we going to choose to go after God and believe him? Believe he is who he says he is. Believe his word. Matthew 6, 33 through 34 sums this up for us. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. This passage, these passages, they don't eliminate what could happen tomorrow. They just remind us that the God of tomorrow, he already knows what's going to happen, that he's with you. It reminds us to seek God and trust him and believe in him and believe in his bigness and might and power and faithfulness. He is a good, good God. He is so good. And boy, y'all are sure quiet. (laughs) He is so good and he is so faithful to us. So when I say what, seek God, what does that look like? What does it mean to seek God? Turn to me to first Chronicles chapter 16, verse 11. It says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually longing to be in his presence. Remember his marvelous deeds, which he has done, his miracles and the judgments from his mouth. Remember what he's done. Too often we get caught up in circumstances and caught up with our worry that we forget how God has come through. We forget the goodness of God. And then surround yourself with those people who who also want to remember Put people in your life that remind you, hey, God came through for me. But you know what? I lost everything. Well, guess what? I did too. And I know that God is faithful and he's redeemed it because his nature is a redeemer. So get around people that are reminding you who God is. Remember what he's done for you. Sometimes it just takes a booklet of writing down all the things when God has come through for your life. Write it down. 
And then you can go back to it and remember it. Verse 15, it says, be mindful of his covenant forever. The promise which he commanded and established to a thousand generations. Y'all, how do we be mindful? We have to focus on the word of God. We have to get the word so hidden in our heart and so wallpapered on our minds that our go-to is the worries coming, but I'm turning to God's word, his promises. I'm turning to what he says. I'm going to be mindful of God's words. I'm going to focus on his word. And then in verse 23, sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. And you know, sing to the Lord, that's like, ooh, Robin, you know, this is awkward. I don't want to be in a musical. You know, that's not what we're saying. That's not what I'm saying. It is about shifting your attention in those moments. Listen, y'all, I am that woman that's at the stoplight with her music blaring, worshiping God that you're honking at to go because I'm just so caught up in it, you know? So give me grace. Give me grace, please. But that's me, you know, because I know my tendency in who I am. I am naturally prone to just worry. That's just like how I want to go. It's just my, my, what my tendency has always been. But I don't want it to be that. I don't want it to be that. I know that I know that in this room you're battling stuff. And I'm not here to minimize the struggle and the worry for tomorrow. I'm not here to minimize that, but I want you to leave here magnifying God, understanding the magnificence of God and power of God is greater than your circumstance. And he is with you in this, y'all. You're not alone. You're not facing the struggle by yourself when you know Jesus. He is with you. He is for you. You are precious to him. Valuable to him. And we have to make a choice. Are we going to believe him or not? See, worry comes from a place of what we believe in. Do we believe the circumstance is bigger than God? Or do we believe God is bigger than the circumstance? So I want to share with you a, my story And I know that there are many of you in this room today who may have heard it before. And in some ways, I was a little hesitant to bring it up. I was a little worried (laughs) to bring it up because I don't want to be that girl, that woman that, hey, that's that story, you know. But the truth is, In regards to what this sermon is about, this is the most relevant example in my life. It's the most relevant example in my life. Three years ago, I was sitting on my sofa in my house 
getting ready to play Bible Pictionary with my family. And my boys came and said, hey mom, can we ride our bikes down to the playground, which is three blocks down the street? And I said, absolutely. They've done it many times. It's just a few blocks down, no big deal. And I'm sitting on the sofa while, they're gone, while they've gone down. I'm writing out Bible stories from the Old Testament on pieces of paper and getting excited that we're getting ready to play Bible Pictionary. And then the door knocks. And I get up and walk to the door, and it's one of the boys who'd been riding bikes with my sons. And he said, Miss Robin, Elisha's been hit by a car. Elisha's my youngest son. And in that moment, obviously we weren't thinking, we ran down the street, my husband and I barefoot. He ran ahead of me. And when I came around the curve to where the accident happened, I saw my husband kneeling down over Elisha and praying for him. And my little 12-year-old boy was laying in a puddle of blood, his own blood, laying in the middle of the street, not moving. And in that moment, I didn't know what was going on. I I couldn't process. I think it was just surreal. And I walked up to my husband. I was trying, I was walking up to them. And he looked at me and said, don't come any closer. And I think maybe in retrospect, that was him or the Lord just protecting my mind because... My tendency is to worry, and if I see that image, then I might be just worried, overthinking it. And all of a sudden, in that moment, I didn't turn that way. I just turned up to heaven, and I lifted my hands, and I said, God, I trust you. And I'm here to tell you that that wasn't anything that was in my own strength, And that is the honest truth. There was this confidence that hit me in that moment that could only be supernatural. It was only God-given. And I don't remember everything that happened that day. I don't remember everything I said. People said I was quoting scriptures, but y'all, I really, I don't remember And they end up taking Elisha to the local hospital and they get him stabilized enough that they could airlift him to UVA where he was put into a medically induced coma because he had brain bleeding and swelling. They ultimately ended up having to remove the front portion of his skull to relieve the pressure of his brain. That's how much it swelled. And little did I know, I mean, that was just the beginning of learning to seek God, not just daily, but really moment by moment, moment by moment. I mean, doctors would come in and say, Robin, your son, he's just 
We just don't think he's going to make it. And if he does, he's just going to be a vegetable. He'll be in a vegetative state. And seriously, in all honesty, that confidence that came from God was there. And I'd like to say that I've done it perfectly since his accident. I'd like to say even that just in a minute, Elisha rose up, but that hasn't been our journey. It's still ongoing. Elisha is in a wheelchair. He's on a feeding tube. He can't speak yet. Um, We're working on that. We're learning on uh, teaching him his motor skills. He goes to therapy. He's probably going to have more surgeries. So I still live in this, could I worry about Elisha's tomorrow? The very thing that a lot of parents probably in this room worry about happening happened in my life. It happened. I couldn't protect my kids. But here's the deal. That I know, that I know, that I know, that I know, that I serve a God who loves that little boy far more than I could ever love him. I know that I know that I serve a God who knows tomorrow. Listen, and the confidence that I have is that I know Jesus, so I know the end. I know the end. I know that I get to go to heaven for eternity and spend eternity with a fully healed little boy. I know the end. It's amazing to me to know that I serve a God who conquered death. I, it amazes me that I serve a God who loves so beyond what I can comprehend and values me and my kids and you sitting out there more than anybody could ever do for you or me on this earth. He is it. He is big. He is for us. He is in our corner. And we don't have to worry about tomorrow. It's going to take care of itself. We got God. Listen, it doesn't mean life is going to be easy. Yes, it is easier said than done. I get it. You know why it's easier said than done? Because we have to do. We have to choose to seek God. We have to choose to remember what God has done. We have to choose to focus on his word and get it so hidden in our hearts that when the moment comes, when you are faced with the greatest thing that you've worried about this whole time, it comes. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And finally, we need to just sing. We need to magnify our God. Magnify.
magnify his name and who he is because he's so good. I'm standing here to tell you I have seen the goodness and power of God in the midst of our tragedy. I have seen it. I have seen his power and his love and his goodness. And sometimes that's hard for people to understand. You're right, but I don't get it. You're just so strong. No, I'm not. It is his strength. It is him. It is only him that gives me the strength to do it. I don't take credit for that. Don't give me the credit for that. It's his strength. And it's his strength that he will give you. In the moment when the worries come. Or in the moment when the struggle comes. When the thing you worried about the most happens. What are you going to do? Fear is a feeling. Worry is a choice. So we have a choice to make. We can constantly hold on and try to control what tomorrow is going to look like. I can do it. I can, I can organize it. I can put it all together in my little box. And I can make it look just like this. Tomorrow's going to look just like this. Or we can just trust the God who created the universe, who knows all, who's in all, to be for us, to be with us. So this morning in this room, I know Again, there are those people, you don't have a worry in the world right now. Well, let me ask you something. Are you prepared when you do? Are you ready? Are you filled with God's word? Listen, none of that is contingent on our salvation. We don't have to do all that. We don't have to do seek God's word and all that stuff to get to heaven. But I'm telling you, if you do, you'll understand how big God is. And you will understand your value to him. You will get it when you press in and you open the word and cover your mind with his word. When you testify to his goodness and when you sing his name. So for those of you in this room that are believers and you are bound to your worry, this morning, God wants you set free. God wants you set free. Listen, don't leave. Don't leave until you believe until you believe he wants you free. So we have these response tables up here. You can come up to the front and you can take communion. You can write down your worry, like put it on the cross or pray with someone. We have a next steps team here that wants to pray with you and come alongside you. And maybe you're just not comfortable with that. Listen, grab your neighbor. We're a family in this room. 
pray for me. I'm struggling with this worry. Pray for me. I just got that that health issue. I've gotten it. I need somebody to pray for me. I can't pay my bills. Pray for me. My child's rebelling. Pray for me. And then lastly, those of you who just don't know Jesus, but all of a sudden you just feel this tug. You're feeling this tug. Like, man, I want to have hope. I want to know the end. I want to have hope for my eternity, for my future. I want to choose Jesus today. I want to choose to believe in him today and accept him as my savior. If that's you, in just a minute, we're going to pray for you. Because, listen, you are not here out of coincidence. You are here because God wanted you to hear this message today. And he's wanting to take you into a deeper place in him. So you understand in him you're safe and secure. It doesn't mean life is going to be easy. It just means the God of the universe has it all in his hands. Has it all in his hands. So would you stand with me and let's pray. And if you are that person this morning that doesn't know Jesus and you want to turn to him today and believe what he did for you on the cross, that he died and rose again because he loved you. He so loves you. He so loves you. He so loves you. If that's you, let's just bow our heads, everybody. If that's you this morning, let's pray Pray this prayer with me. Something like this, you could put your own words in it, but this is it. God, I believe you love me. And I receive Jesus into my heart. I believe he died on the cross so that I could have hope on earth and an eternity with him. I accept you, Jesus, into my heart. I believe you are who you say you are. And as we keep our eyes closed and heads bowed, if you this morning prayed that prayer, would you boldly raise your hand? Boldly raise your hand. Thank you. Father, you're so good to us. You're so faithful to us. We trust you this morning. We believe in you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are powerful and mighty and that you are here to set us free, to take us deeper, to show us more of your love. So we thank you for who you are, God. You, God, are a good, good father. A good, good father. 
And we praise you for that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing. Thanks so much for listening today. We believe that everyone has a next step towards Jesus, and we'd love to help you take yours. Email us at hello at brentwoodchurch.org or visit our website, brentwoodchurch.org slash next steps. Until next time, go change the world.